Growing up, I had the same nightmare several times. My grandma and grandpa Marley lived in an old farmhouse. Did I mention it was old? An old farmhouse, okay? And as most old farmhouses have, they had a cellar. And of course it was down some very steep, very narrow wooden steps. So you'd kind of go maybe a foot at a time and you'd wonder if, if your foot was, you know, long enough that it was going to just tumble forward. They were that narrow of steps. And it was just a small area. It was where grandma kept all her canned vegetables and, you know, there was one little light kind of hanging from the ceiling down there. So it was always dark and just kind of had that damp, musty smell about it. But the, the nightmare that I would have, and I had been down there many, many times, but the nightmare I would have, I would be walking down those very, very narrow steps. And for some reason, I couldn't turn around. I had to go down those steps to the, to the bottom of the cellar. And waiting for me at the bottom of the steps was an alligator. Makes perfect sense, right? For some reason, most of the time, we would just turn around and run the other way, right? But no, in my dream, I have to go down those steps, and the alligator is waiting for me. And for some reason, I had that strange nightmare multiple times. I I don't remember how many times, but I know that it was more than once. I never knew what it meant. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was young enough that I started to have a fear of the cellar. And I know rationally it didn't make sense. I knew when I was awake, there's no alligator down there, right? But yet, I still had a fear because of that nightmare, as irrational as it was. I became afraid of going down to the cellar by myself. So what are you afraid of? Maybe it's spiders. Maybe it's snakes. Maybe you're afraid of heights. Some people do not like to get on an airplane. They are really afraid to fly. Public speaking? That seems to be a big one. I'm experiencing that this morning. (laughs) Staying on the 13th floor of a hotel, maybe? Putting your head underwater? How about clowns? Anybody afraid of clowns? But what are you really afraid of? Maybe you've been to the doctor and you've gotten a diagnosis that you didn't want to hear and you don't know what's going to happen. Fear sets in. Maybe you're going through a job loss and you don't know how long you can go before finding another job before the electricity gets turned off. Maybe you just lost a spouse that you had had most of your life. Maybe you're dealing with addiction and you're afraid when somebody's going to find out and your secret is going to be discovered. Maybe a young person here this morning might be dealing with the fear of being bullied at school. Maybe you've experienced war and memories and images Just, you can't get out of your mind. Maybe you're dealing with depression and you don't know if you're going to have the energy to get through today or tomorrow or next week. 
Fears can be overwhelming, devastating, paralyzing, really. Last week, Pastor Aaron started our new series called Canyons, Trusting God and the Dark Nights of the Soul. So we're continuing to work our way through Psalms and kind of talk about some of those canyons and those valleys that David went through, how he dealt with those, his prayers about those, his thoughts. Last week we looked at betrayal and how Daniel was betray- or how David was betrayed by Saul and how much hurt betrayal can cause. This week we're going to look at Psalm 34 and the issue of fear. Pastor Rick Warren says that fear is a self-imposed prison that will keep you from becoming what God intends for you to be. You must move against it with the weapons of faith and love. Today we're going to talk about some of David's fears and how he combated those, but we're going to talk about some of our fears and what we do to combat those. Generalize our fears today. We're going to talk about being afraid of the dark. And that's kind of a general term because a lot of times when we talk about fear, we talk about darkness and being in the depths, and being in the dark. So that's mainly what we'll talk about. But you can insert, as we talk about darkness, you can insert whatever fear you're dealing with today. Being afraid of the dark is actually very common, especially young kids, right? Maybe you can remember when you were trying to fall asleep in your dark bedroom when you were young. Maybe there was just enough light outside to where you got a shadow of that big creepy tree right outside your window blowing in the wind, and it kind of looked like somebody's huge arm getting ready to come in and pluck you out of bed. Maybe there was a strange sound that you couldn't really identify, but the odds were that somebody was scratching at your window trying to get in. Maybe you were 100% positive that there was a monster under your bed. And not just any monster, it was that pea green, huge, hairy, long fangs type claws just ready that as soon as you jumped out of bed, he was going to sweep you under the bed and devour you whole and living. I heard that from a friend. But I'm getting off topic. We're not talking about monsters. We're talking about the darkness and fear. Scripture records some of David's fears. While protecting his father's sheep as a boy, David actually chased after and killed at least one lion. Doesn't sound very fearful, does it? He also chased and killed at least one bear. No fear there either. And it's pretty hard to forget that it was David that went up against that nine-foot monster Goliath with just a simple slingshot and five little stones. And scripture doesn't mention in that story him being afraid during that time. So far, it doesn't sound like David has a lot of fear, does it? But we do see in the book of 1 Samuel that David has a healthy fear of Saul as Saul is trying to have David killed. Some fears can be good. So David flees. And we'll pick up the story in 1 Samuel 21, starting with verse 10 where we see David have a fear of another person as well. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. 
But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands? David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So, he did something unusual. He pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the door of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. He sold it. Achish said to his servants, look at that man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? So let's recap. For some reason, after David kills Goliath, he ends up in Gath before King Achish. Gath was a Philistine city. Goliath was a Philistine. He had killed one of their main soldiers. And remember that David killed him. So when Achish's servant reminded the king that David was responsible for killing thousands of other Philistines too, David gets scared as to what's going to happen to him. He's fearing for his life. He's thinking his life is over. He's going to be killed for revenge. Then, all of a sudden, David has an interesting response to this fear. He literally starts acting crazy, like insane. Scripture says that David acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. If your life is in danger, you're going to do whatever it takes to hopefully get away. David was actually protecting himself by acting insane, because back in those days, it was customary not to harm mentally unstable people. So what happens next? King Achish was so convinced that Daniel was insane, he ordered Daniel, David, I'm sorry, removed from his house and from the city. So all of a sudden, David is freed. His life is no longer in jeopardy. Today we're going to look at Psalm 34, and that's what David wrote after his experience of fear and delivery from that situation. Verse 4 sums up what David did when he was in the moment fearing for his life. It says this, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So there are three parts to that one little simple verse. First, it says that David sought the Lord. So David had to take action. He had to share his thoughts with God. He had to share his feeling. He had to share his fear. He had to ask for help. How often do we wonder why God doesn't help us in a situation where maybe we haven't poured out our wants, our needs, our thoughts to the Lord? Secondly, it says God answered So for God to answer, God had to listen. God had to hear. God had to pay attention to his call for help. When you pray, do you really feel like God is listening? Or is it more just for self-therapy, self-help? If we really want God to take over, to take control, to answer our prayers, 
We need to not only believe that he is listening, we need to know that he is listening. David knew that. And thirdly, God delivered David. He freed David. God just didn't wish David well. Didn't just tell David he would think about it, take it under advisement, and get back to him in a week. He gave him a quick solution and freedom from the situation. Did that sink in? God not only meets us in our fears, he delivers us from them. He frees us from them. God not only met David in his fear, he gave David a path to overcome his fear and to be delivered from it. He actually allowed David, think about this, he actually allowed David to think clearly enough to act insane. Right? How ironic is that? So the next time my wife tells me that I'm acting a little crazy, I'll just tell her that God is freeing me from my fears. In the next few verses, David repeats these same three steps two more times. In verse 6, he says this, The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Same three steps. Verse 17 repeats the same three steps. The righteous cry out, the Lord hears them, he delivers them from all their troubles. Three times within 14 verses, David praises God for these same three steps. He was grateful. I don't believe that God wants any of us to stay in our fear, to get stuck in our fear. And it says that much in 2 Timothy. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So if we believe that God wants to free us from our fears, how do we make that happen? Remember that David had to take a first step by crying out to God, by being honest about his fear, by asking God for help. So what moves do we need to take when we ask God to remove our fears and remove us from our fearful situation? Well, let's go back to our scenario of being afraid of the dark. The San Diego Family Magazine website had an interesting list of suggestions of how to help kids who are afraid of the dark overcome that fear. So we're going to look at just a handful of those suggestions and see how closely they can be related to our faith walk and the fears that we deal with and what we can do to ask God for help. Tips for overcoming fear of the dark. Here we go. Number one. Discuss the fear. So it says, parents, listen to your child and let them feel heard and validated. Discuss the fear. So as Christians speaking with God, that's basically telling us to pray about it. Talk to God. Your fears are validated. God hears them. God listens. But we need to talk to him about it. We need to pray about it so that he knows what our fears are and knows our thoughts. Number two, create a positive environment. 
The article talks about introducing white noise so that there's not quite as much silence in the room. Making sure your child has a comfortable bed. Having a cool room so the child doesn't get overheated. A comfortable, positive environment. For us, that might mean reading your Bible. That might mean getting into a life group or a support group or getting a prayer partner. Immersing yourself into an environment that is going to help build your faith and deepen your faith is going to help you when those fears come so that you have an environment around you to help you deal with that fear. So create a positive environment. Number three, offer a transitional object. Meaning, give your child a teddy bear or a blanket for comfort. What do we use as our transitional objects when we are in fear? That can be prayer. That can be calling up a prayer partner on the phone and talking through the situation. It could be writing verses of comfort down in a journal. Doing something else to let your mind think positively as opposed to focusing on the fear. Offer a transitional object. Number four, teach breathing techniques. And it talks about how teaching a child to breathe in for four seconds and then pretend that you have a candle in front of them and blowing just enough to flicker the candle but not to blow it out so that you're inhaling and then you're exhaling slowly. We can do the same thing with our fear. Taking a deep breath in, holding it, letting it out. And I know we've used this multiple times before here, but you can even make it more meaningful than that. And as you breathe in, say, more of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. Doing that slowly helps you physically and mentally deal with it. And number five, maybe seems obvious, but to get rid of fear of darkness, flip on a light. Turn the light on. Let the child see what's in the room, that they're safe. Jesus is our light. When we have fears, we need to remember to turn our light on. We need to remember to ask Jesus to be a part of that. Rely on Jesus to get us through that fear. When we have darkness in our life that is overwhelming us, turn on the light. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this, The Lord himself goes before you, and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord himself goes before you. If someone has a light and going before you and you're following them, don't you feel safer? Don't you feel more comfort that someone's taking the lead? They're showing you the way. They're lighting your path. Jesus is there to do that for us if we just remember to turn on that light.
As Pastor Aaron shared last week, we're going to encourage you to participate in a certain act during each week of this Canyon series. Today, we're going to fight the darkness of our fears by lighting a candle. I'd encourage you to think about a fear that you're dealing with right now. If it's spiders or if it's snakes, that's fine. But most of us have bigger fears that we're dealing with. Maybe we're worried about our marriage. Maybe we're worried about a medical diagnosis. Maybe we're worried about moving on in life without somebody that's been there for the past 30 years. could be the fear of what's going to happen with a sick child. could be the fear of that habit or that addiction you can't get over by yourself. Whatever your fear is, God's light is more powerful than that fear. It just takes a little bit of light in a room of darkness to overcome that darkness. The wind would invite you to come up and there's a table on each side with lighters and candles. As the worship team plays this next song, we'd encourage you to come up and light a candle. And as you do, there are three scriptures from John that I want you to think about as far as how light overpowers the darkness. John 8:12 says this, I am the light of the world. Jesus talking. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. John 12, 48 says, I have come to the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And John 1, 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will not outshine you. Use Jesus. Use that light to help get you through your fear. It's clear from these three scriptures that Jesus doesn't want you to stay in fear. God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to be able to provide that light for you. All you have to do is turn it on. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for being with us in the midst of our fears. No matter what our fear is, Lord, and how overpowering it feels and how powerful it feels, how negative it feels, how much it drags us down, Lord, we know that your light, your love is more powerful than that. We only have to turn to you and ask you to shine your light for us. Lord, I would just ask in these next few moments that you would open our hearts to be honest, to share what our fears are, and to come to you and light a cam- candle as a symbol that your light is more powerful than whatever fear we have inside it. Lord, we just ask that that light would be a reminder that you go forward out of this place with us, back into that world where that fear is. You're not going to leave us and forsake us, and that your light is more powerful than that darkness. Lord, we thank you and thank you and thank you for that. Jesus is waiting.
light a candle is